fuck this Achilles Smith guy. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm live right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, hey, thanks for uh, joining the show. We are live on the Facebook page. Just wanted to thank everybody for showing up. And obviously, we're going to get started. we got some big things to get to. We're hoping Achilles Smith joins us soon. He's not yet backstage, but we're hoping he does join us. And we'll get to that interview. We also have some news things to go over. But we'll kick things off with our sweet video intro. Jordan. you for joining us everybody and thank you for joining us last episode too we had like a thousand views last episode <laughs> Dude, that was nuts i mean shout out will james brother man i appreciate you brother sharing it to all those platforms getting us you know i it was a more than we've had in a while so i appreciate it man thank you guys and thank everyone who watched hopefully you enjoyed it in your back this week yeah, hopefully. And listen, uh, if you are watching us on the Facebook page, obviously we have the Infinity Sports Facebook page. You could be watching it there. You could be watching it on the RTF page. No matter where you comment from, those comments will come to us. Even if you comment on YouTube, the comments do show up here. Um, we got our first comment already, and it's from our boys at Triple Shot Sports. What's up, gentlemen? Hey, yo, what's going down, boys? Actually, good side note, I'll be on Triple Shot Sports Tuesday, next Tuesday, talking some hockey for anybody who wants to tune in. Nice. They'll have one guy on the show that knows hockey. Yes, uh, finally. So, obviously, if you're watching us on Facebook, we are Facebook Live Mondays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The show is rebroadcast the following days, Tuesdays and Thursdays, at 1 p.m. on the RTF Sports Network. You visit rtfsportsnetwork.com, and you can listen to that streaming. If, for whatever reason, you miss parts of the show where the show runs long, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and the video on YouTube. As I mentioned, we are interactive. You saw us post the comments. If you comment, we'll put it up on the show. If you want to reach out to us after hours, so to say, then you can reach us at Infinity Sports Podcast on Facebook, at Infinity Sports Podcast on Instagram, and at Sports Infinity 5 on Twitter. You don't have to remember any of that if you remember www.infinitysportspodcast.com. It has links to all of our social media, including YouTube. It has blogs that i have written and one that jesse and i co-wrote dan is writing one with me it is like six months in progress now <laughs> which means he hasn't started and it's i finished your statement and uh, of course you can visit the store while you're on the website great merchandise there support the show we've got a full collection of 12 is greater than nine apparel and I'll, i'm gonna touch on that in a second and we've got a uh, you know infinity sports just our regular old sports logo on there you can get that stuff as well my friend kevin uh who was asking us questions uh last episode actually went on there he bought a t-shirt mug uh, all kinds of stuff so really nice. support the show appreciate yeah. you kevin thank you so much man really that's that's incredible super great and uh, on that chiefs win so i get it <laughs> uh we got here uh caroline fowler love you cuz hey love you too that's my baby cousin love you too caroline <laughs> Now, I said I wanted to touch on the 12 is greater than 9. I think people who follow our show and follow the network know the, the back history, so I'm not going to really get into that. 
But the update we got yesterday, I think it was, is that, to be blunt, the show that was coming at us that had nine, less than 12, <laughs> yes. is no longer on the network. So they were kind of like threatening us, saying, like, hey, we're going to kick you off the network, and uh, I'm still standing. <laughs> hey, karma's a bitch, ain't it? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I don't think, you know, neither of us are very shocked. I don't think we took his idle threats very seriously, um, you know, so, but they were funny to listen to, that's for sure. You know, Sal's head is as big as his stomach, you know what I mean? So... I mean, he comes at you like a WWE wrestler, right? He's like, let me tell you something, brother. You better not say that. Bones always ready. I say that all the time. Do you really? Bro, that was my ringtone for like two and a half years. <laughs> like, anytime yeah, anytime somebody's like, all right, are we ready to go? Or, hey, are you ready? I'm like, Bones always ready. <laughs> you would get that quote. That makes me so happy. Whenever I say that, everybody looks at me like I'm a crazy person. But, or my daughter, you know, my daughter will be like, "Hey, I, I want to go down the street and play with my friends," and I'm like, "You're going nowhere." <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. The other one of my go-to's is the uh, the line from Billy Madison. Oh no, 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 Happy Gilmore, where he's like, uh, "Green jacket, gold jacket, who gives a shit?" I say that <laughs> at least ten times a day. Um. All right, so let's get into the, some of the. Oh, actually, no, we don't have the news music. We got a big show to get to, and hopefully Achilles Smith joins us. He has not joined us yet. Uh, I'm going to check my messages here when we go to our news screen. Um, but obviously, we have a few things to get to in the news. <laughs> God damn it! So I had a little trouble with the news screen, but no trouble with the sound today, which is great. Other than me saying, God damn it. Over God there. damn it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you hit the click thing and it doesn't click. And then you um, click it again, it clicks back over real fast. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just checking my messages here. I see that Achilles has a scene. I wish I could show. Oh, actually. <laughs> Maybe it's, I don't know how Twitter go. You can if you put it on the screen. Yeah, there you well, go. It says scene. Scene. Done. He's seen it. So he has the link and get on. Hopefully he does jump on. If he doesn't, obviously you get an hour of us just talking with each other again. Um, Which is fantastic also. I mean, who doesn't love that? Yeah, not always bad. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, triple shot sports with the eyes. Oh, way to be cryptic. That can mean so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like your girlfriend's eyes when she saw my uh, collection of CDs. Um, you tiny pecker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she wouldn't be too shy. She's not like she's dealing with a large one over here. So yeah, so we got. Uh, I'm reaching around here. Bad video. Uh, we got some news. That's I started off. Yeah, I started off with uh, <laughs> Rockets Thunder have Game Seven tonight. So we're finally gonna have. I think it's the last series, right? And I like the th- the Rockets. I don't love the Thunder. I don't know why. I know the Thunder are playing really well. I just don't like that roster. I love the roster on the Rockets, but I guess, you know, who knows? Anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, on paper, I I mean, this doesn't seem like a great matchup, honestly. But, I I mean, I think we're seeing the difference between a player who elevates his team and a player who's just a great player. And and that's James Harden and Chris Paul here. Um, you know, James Harden is obviously an incredible player. He scores a ton of points. He does a lot for his team. But uh, 
I don't know if he actually elevates everyone around him. Chris Paul, on the other hand, went to an Oklahoma City roster that we agree is pretty not great. And I mean, yeah, and is and is doing fantastic things. I mean, he's elevating everyone around him. That team is playing. You know, you mentioned the Celtics playing as a team. Oklahoma City is playing as a team. They're playing really well. Um, I also think Russell Russell Westbrook's a cancer to a team. I don't. I would never have him on my basketball team. So, see, I don't like using. Before I get my Russell Westbrook take, obviously we have a comment here. Triple Shot Sports Show has looked better the last two episodes. Can't put my finger on it. So. See, I, I I I think so too. I think it's. I, remember, I told you I think we're a little grainy and choppy. I think that's what's going on right now. Know, maybe it's. I don't know. Um, but so my whole thing with Russell Westbrook, I, I hate to use the term cancer yeah, with I him agree. because. Because I think of a cancer, I think of somebody who's like a, a headache in the locker room, and I don't think he's that guy. I think it's just the way that he plays the game is a little out of control. You know, I mean, he's very fast and athletic, and yes. he plays 100 miles per hour, and sometimes you got to slow it down to 65, you know, and he doesn't. So I, I don't like using the term cancer, like I said, just because I don't think he's an attitude problem for a team, but I think that obviously his play yeah. style is a little erratic. No, you're probably right. I agree with that. I'll take back cancer because that is a strong word to use. Um, I I agree with everything you said. He plays at 110% all the time, which is great. I mean, you got to love that, except when it's not great. You know, except when you're turning the ball over in prime situations like he did last night and and things like that and and taking, you know, bad shots, which he does a lot. And and I just – I don't love that on a teammate. I just really don't. I mean, yeah, he's a walking triple-double, but at what cost? You know, so, I mean, LeBron's a walking triple-double who gets the win. You know, so, I mean, that's kind of the difference in the two, you know, I think. So, I I, I have the Thunder tonight. It's it's a – I know it's a not a, a smart or popular pick, but I just think they're playing better basketball right now. I, I think that's a good pick Vegas-wise. Um, like yeah. I said, for me, just personally as a basketball fan – I'm looking at it, and I, and I don't know why this has been seven games. I really would have thought Rockets in five or something. I just, well, no, Westbrook for the first five games. I mean, regardless uh, of how he treat, you know, yes, he's a he's a quote unquote maybe a cancer for the team, but I mean, he's also helpful during the first three quarters. You know what I mean? When he's scoring thirty points, you know, that's still tough to replace in a lineup. So I think that's got something to do with it. But I, I mean, I agree. I, I don't. I didn't see this one going seven at all. Now, college football news I have here. Georgia quarterback Jamie Newman opts out for the season. He's just going to focus on getting ready for the draft. I didn't see that. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, wow, that's huge. so Jamie Newman is my is my darling of the season. Um, I'm not sure if I've said this on here yet. I think Jamie Newman's going to be the guy that nobody's really talking about that's going to end up a top five pick. Um, I think it, now now he may not um, because we don't get to see him play at an elite level with, with Georgia. Um, you know, he transferred in there and obviously was incredible. Hey mom, love you. Um, and obviously was incredible, um, you know, there, but I, I would have loved to see him at Georgia with a full team, you know, of, of complimentary talent around him and playing SEC level competition with a full complimentary team around him. But I think he's got all the tools to be an extremely successful quarterback in the NFL. Well, with all these playing these players opting out you and I and, and Jesse had had a discussion about, you know, who's the guy that, you know, could bump Trevor Lawrence out of the first pick. And you would mention, you know, fields, if, if the big 10 played, if fields plays well and Lawrence doesn't play, he could potentially, cause he's also kind of that number two pick anyways. But I'm wondering, you know, with all the guys opting out, I mean, how many 
workout warriors are going to have a great combine and go in the first round that if they had a season probably wouldn't get picked on the first round a lot and in the same sentence a lot of these guys that a lot of joe burrows now don't have the opportunity to be joe burrow or kyler murray or baker mayfield uh you're not going to get that guy that maybe had a second third round grade and then balled out the season All right, so Dan is frozen a little bit on my screen here. I'm see he'll be back in a few seconds. Um, and we'll I'm talk- back. Hey, you're back. Uh, it all—it's two little swoops for me. Uh, but <laughs> so you're not going to have those same guys in the draft. But what you are going to have is so whatever your grade is right now is essentially what your grade's going to be. Um, you, you're not going to see a lot of movement. But I, I do agree, like these workout warriors, especially. I think a lot of them will be private workouts and a lot of them are going to look really good. And so you, you'll probably see a couple guys go, you know, ahead of maybe their standard projection, but not too far off. Well, I'm thinking probably, you know, some running back from, you know, Wyoming or something that didn't play this year. He goes to the combine, he runs a four, three, six, and all of a sudden it was like, well, maybe this guy's a first round pick, even though he had like a fourth round grade on him. See that. I don't know if that's, what's going to happen. Truly. I don't. Um, If you've got a fourth round grade, you're probably going to go in the fourth round at this point, unless, I mean, if you're a Wyoming running back and you show up and you run a four, two, that's different. Four, three, sixes or four, three, sixes. They're not jumping off the board anymore. Um, now yeah. let me see. It's funny that you freeze just for a second. Cause we get the, I literally have to upgrade that dial up network. <laughs> Man, everybody's network needs to be upgraded. Apparently we just, Wayne will tell you, I'm sure, guy's testing his Wi-Fi and he's getting gypped on like 80% of it. Oh, my goodness. I pay for one gigabyte speed, and which is 1,000 megabytes to those of you who don't know the computer <laughs> math. And basically, that's the fastest around here. So I pay for that. I pay top dollar premium for it. I asked for it. And today, I noticed because we've been having a lot of skippiness, and I was wondering if that was my issue on my computer. So I've been doing all these tests around the house, and I'm getting about 200 megabytes, which is – 20% of what I'm paying for. Now, I know that, you know, depending on, you know, who's using their Wi-Fi and who's using their cable and whatnot, obviously they shoot it from the, the, the home at one gigabyte, but it might get to your house at 800 megabytes, which is fine. All right. And then once it gets into the Wi-Fi here, maybe I'm at 600, you know, I mean, 580, but to be at 200, that's just not acceptable. No, especially when you're paying out the wazoo because, you know, these cable and internet companies are terrorists and they pay they charge you crazy amounts of money but yeah i mean that's bonkers um no i, I, I think I, we'd be, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about that utah jazz denver nuggets game okay um did you watch it or no i did not um, <laughs> and i know i know it's supposed to be supposedly a good game and i'm supposed to be the basketball guy <laughs> Um, so I, I know that, you know, we had a winner. I actually don't even know who won the game. Wow. <laughs> you don't even know. Uh, so the crazy part of it all, by the way, the Nuggets won. Um, the crazy part of it all is, did you see the final score? No, I didn't know who won. How would I see the final score? 80 to 78. You know what their previous games uh, were? 130 to 127. And this game ended 80 to 78. That's nuts. That's bonkers. For two of the highest scoring teams in the league, I couldn't believe it. But last sequence, I've got to run it through here since you're a basketball guy. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Utah's down two. Donovan Mitchell has the ball with like 14 seconds left. Uh, shot clock's off. So he's got the full clock. So you want the last shot. I mean, you, yeah. that's what you want. He drives to the hole with 11 seconds left and turns the ball over. <clears throat> Denver takes the ball now with, a, with like 10, 11 seconds left, sprints the court, and instead of running the clock out or taking a foul, goes for a layup. Misses the layup. <laughs> Utah rebounds the ball with four seconds left and is able to get a shot off, and it literally toilet bowls out of the rim for a three-pointer that Mike Conley misses that he passes up a wide open Donovan Mitchell and takes the shot himself and misses it. It was one of the craziest 12 sequences I've ever seen just because none of it made sense. Like not because I haven't seen crazy sequences like that before, but just because none of the basketball play made sense from guys that are hyper IQ. It wasn't like guys like Donovan Mitchell had the ball. Then Jamal Murray got the ball off the turnover. So it wasn't like a big who like doesn't know what to do with the ball. He knows, Hey, hold the ball, get fouled, make two free throws. And he didn't do it. And then Mike Conley coming down and taking an ill-advised three point shot when the hottest guy on the planet, Donovan Mitchell standing wide open. It was just an odd sequence to me. That, that's very odd, and I don't understand it. I mean, the only thing I can think of, um, and of course, triple shot, even I watched it. <laughs> um, but uh, the only thing I can think of is, you know, maybe Mitchell just saw a lane. Maybe he saw the center move over a little bit. And he's like, all right, I got a clean shot at the hoop here. So he takes it. He ends up turning it over. Then I understand, you know, the Nuggets train of thought is crazy as it is. It's not completely no, two buckets. Hey, no, it's ice it. Yeah, we're, we're going to ice it. Yeah. Um, but then they missed it. And it was a fast break. So, like, it wasn't like it was like a set. You know, it's a fast break, but it's still Jamal Murray passes it to some, you know, nobody, and he misses the layup. And in the press conference, they can all laugh and joke about it. But Jamal, the guy goes, damn, man, I thought you were going to take that shot. Jamal Murray's like, bro, you missed a layup. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a crazy sequence, and it was a great game. That was a great series. I mean, that was such a good series. A triple shot says it was like 14 seconds of a YNCA NBA action. It really was. It was um, like it was like the LA Fitness. And his foot was out of bounds when he took the shot. So imagine if he makes it and it gets overturned. Oh, I didn't see that. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean that was one of the biggest ones. The ill-advised shot from Mike Connolly didn't make sense. I mean Donovan Mitchell's literally standing there wide open with his hands up, and he just doesn't give him the ball. I saw a. Uh, a video. I can't remember who it was. God, it was, it was in the Lakers, and it was when Kobe was back playing with the Lakers, and it was uh, end of the game, eight seconds left, or whatever it was. I don't know if it was like Jeremy Lin or somebody. I can't remember. It was, it was somebody who waved him off. Like Kobe came over to get the ball. And he like, get <laughs> he said no. Get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't last. I'm, I'm assuming he got cut rather quickly after that. No, so he made the he made the game winner. Um, oh, wow. And uh, you could remember. But it was uh, like I remember Kobe like. Uh, whatever, like giving him, a, 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 hey man, listen, you gotta come on, yeah, give me that ball. <laughs> Kobe fucking Bryant, bro. <laughs> yeah. The heater, I'm waving him off. Get out of here. Heater up ten on Milwaukee. Oh, nice, good. Yeah, that's a. Cr- I can't believe that. I truly can't. I thought. I honestly didn't think the Heat stood a chance. No, the Heat are a good team. I mean, they're. I agree. I don't think they match up really well with. Uh, Miami, but I mean, their bench is just, I mean, when you got Goran Dragic coming off the bench and you got, you know, guys like that, like they can legit score coming off the bench. I mean, that's scary. That team's good. I didn't realize they were that good. 
the good and they're young, and they talked about they could get better. I can't remember who it was. They said that uh, Jimmy Butler is friends with that could go there in the offseason. Joel Embiid. Uh, it was Joel Embiid? Okay, yeah. I mean, that'd, that'd be a nice get for them. Uh, Would it, though? I mean, let's be yeah. real. I mean, I know you love Joel Embiid, but he plays 30% of the games. I mean, yeah. at this point, I, I, would, I can't trust him to play basketball. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, didn't he play like 64 games? Not six, because the season wasn't 64 games. But, yeah. you know, I thought he played a decent amount of games this year. I mean, he missed some time. but I mean, he may have. He missed – what he missed? A, a week of the playoffs too, though. You know what I mean? Well, and the problem is too, I feel like they really baby his minutes mm-hmm. like when he does play. And He's I understand don't want to get hurt. You know, but I'm like, dude, just play him. Like, if he yeah. gets hurt, he gets hurt. He's Zion at 25 at this point. Um. Football, we have uh, Alvin Kamara is back at practice after reports came out that, you know, the Saints are listening to trade offers. And now I don't know if he went back to practice so that those trade offers are good ones or if he went back to practice because he saw what happened with Leonard Fournette where nobody even got offered a seventh-round pick for him, and so they just had to release him. Kamara is a little different than Leonard Fournette. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think these these running backs now are starting to realize, hey, look, I'm not as valuable as I think I am. Um, I am very replaceable, and I, I honestly think they're starting to realize that. I mean, Joe Mixon just got his deal from the Bengals. Um, when the deal came out, I wasn't able to get specifics. I'm sure the specifics are out now, and I apologize for not knowing them. But I know it's not crazy money, or else it'd be on every news platform on the planet. Um, so, you know, I, I think these players and these owners and franchises are starting to realize, hey, look, they're pretty replaceable, especially when they're on their rookie deals. We don't we don't need to stress this. Now, yeah, it's definitely not the Emmett Smith Barry Sanders NFL where you know the running back no. makes and breaks the team. No. You, know, you just draft a guy in the fourth round and do the same thing. I mean, for the most part, yeah, he may not slam like that, but then you draft another guy in the fourth round and he'll probably hit. Or you know what I mean? They're just there's also so many. You know what I mean? There's so many running backs that have a unique skill set and things like that. I mean, Rex Burkhead made an NFL career for a long time being a very specific skill set guy. You know, uh, it's very possible to do. So I I just think these guys need to realize they're they're a dime a dozen. Now, we talked a little bit about it with uh, Leonard Fournette, right? We said that. You know, uh, Albert Breer had said that the Bucks were seriously interested. Jeff House and the Patriots are seriously interested. Um, I mean, I think going to the Buccaneers would be nuts, you know, with the, what they already have there. I mean, it, I, I honestly don't want them at that point. <laughs> it's just because then the expectations are so much. They're already so lofty. Like, if we have a 10-win season and get to the Super Bowl and lose, it's probably a failure. You know, you know what I mean? Or, like, you know, if we only get to the a- or the NFC Championship game, it's probably a failure. You know, at this point. So, And then you add Leonard Fournette, who, and then it's just God. But he does fit extremely well with what we want to do. He catches the ball very well. He, from all things I hear, the guy's an extremely hard worker. So I don't, I don't know what you know the issue is inside the Jacksonville locker room. Um, Ryan Clark apparently trains with him personally and has extremely glowing things to say about him. Uh, so obviously, I'd love him. I, I, I do think those are his two best fits. Um, I've heard whispers of the Bears. Um, I, I've heard whispers of the Bills. Zach Moss had a neck injury, um, so I don't know. But they just drafted him, so they'll probably give them some time. But I, I do think the Patriots or the, or the Bucks would be his best fit, and I think it'd be the best spot for him to succeed. I think him and Cam Newton 
are just – I mean, that's a run game right there, baby. Well, what surprises me about Fournette, and we did talk about it a little bit, is that, like you said the 75 catches he had. Um, and usually guys who are good at catching the ball out of the backfield are more east-west type runners. That's why they're so good out of the backfield. But Fournette is a legit between-the-guards kind of running back. Like he just pounds it up the middle, and yet he's still good out in the flats. I don't know. Well, I mean, if let's not forget, Leonard Fournette's one of the best college prospects ever graded. Um, I mean, granted, he's still a running back, so, you, so I, you know, you've got to put him where you put running backs or whatever. But, I mean, the guy graded as a, as a 96, 97 player. So, I mean, he does everything you want, and he did everything you want coming out of college. His, his top-end speed is scary because, I mean, you don't think of it because he is a between-the-tackles, knock-you-in-the-mouth kind of player. But he has all the ability to get out there, make catches, and, and get to the outside as well. Um, that's why I'm truly I, – I wish – this is one of those moments, man, I wish I was on the inside. I wish I could see what was going on in Jacksonville, what, why. I, I really do. And the rest of the NFL too. I, I mean, he cleared waivers. So they every th- all 31 teams agreed with Jacksonville that he wasn't worth $4.1 million. Yeah, yeah, I guess maybe teams thought they can get him for less than that, right? Or, and that's that's what it is. I mean, I'm sure a team like the Patriots, like the Bucks, you know, are saying, "Hey, let's see if we can get him for a two mil incentive based deal." You know what I mean? And and see what we can get from there, which makes a ton of sense. I mean, you can't knock a franchise for doing that. Triple Shot Sports says Fournette will not be a beer. We don't sign good offensive players. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, don't you love Nick Foles? You just signed Nick Foles, right? I thought he was good. Yeah, Jimmy Uh-oh. Grant. Uh oh. Was he named the starter, by the way, Brandon? I, I know that. What? I don't know if he was or not. I know that uh, they said they weren't going to announce the starter till week one, but then I saw some news that they said they were going to announce their starter, which a bunch of teams have done now. The Bengals have announced Joe Burrow. The Redskins have announced Dwayne Haskins. The Chargers have announced Tyrod Taylor. Um, so, hey, Justin Herbert going to be out of the league here in probably about two years, I think. Um, he's trash. Um, but yeah, I like him. He's got a big arm and he's mobile. He's got a big arm and he's mobile, but he's – I'm telling you, he's – He's a, he's not up there. I don't I don't see it up there. And if you can't beat out Tyrod Taylor, yeah. Well, again, you get that year to kind of sit back. You remember? I remember when Michael Vick was drafted by the Falcons. They said we are not going to play him at all his rookie year. That's a and, different NFL. Yeah, and they didn't. I mean, they had was it Matt Schaub or whatever it was. It was a quarterback. But that was a different NFL. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. You know, and it's kind of like what they did. They groomed quarterbacks. Now it's. Bro, when you invest this kind of pick on them, they're they're expected to do well. I mean, all reports out of camp, I mean, granted it's camp, is Joe Burrow looks like the real deal right now. And he looks like he's, you know, he's, he's again, he's one of those guys that mentally he just has it. You know, he's picking up the offense very well. Uh, him and Tyler Boyd are just clicking on every cylinder right now, apparently. So I'm super interested to see that. Meanwhile, Justin Herbert apparently can't complete a pass past seven yards. Everything's sailing is from what I understand. And that's what I said his whole – he thinks about every throw he's going to make instead of just making the throw. Yeah, again, maybe some time on the bench will be good for him. I don't know. That's true. Uh, early next week, no chance it's not Trubisky to start. Oh, wow. You think Trubisky actually – see, I don't, I don't think so. I think Foles starts and – I mean, which, which, I mean, I'm sure you're thrilled of, but I don't know. Again, everything out of camp, you know, is that um, Nick Foles is, is winning that job. But we'll see. I mean, we'll see. You know, it, he wasn't who they drafted, and usually those guys have pull. You know what I mean? Those first-round picks have pull. Yeah, I mean, I like 
Mitchell Trubisky's skill set and what he brings to the table in terms of his skill set. And maybe he doesn't have it between the ears either. But like in terms of he's again he's mobile. I don't think he has a huge arm, but I, I feel like he's a fairly accurate passer yeah. when I watch yeah. him play. I mean, it's just he's on a crappy offensive team. Like the, they can't do anything. And, and if you put Nick Foles in there, there's still a crappy offensive team. Yeah, but the Eagles are a pretty crappy offensive team, and he led them to a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. I just I think it's all kind of again it's fit and you know it's fit and figure kind of thing at that point. I don't think Mitchell Trubisky really kind of fits what Matt Nagy wants to do. I think he can. I just don't think he actually does. Like, I don't think Matt Nagy feels like he can trust him. But, you know, we'll see. I think it's, you know, that's one of the better, you know, quarterback competitions at this point. I think it's kind of the only one we still got going on. Um, Yeah, New England, but I'm pretty sure Cam Newton's running away with that job. Um, But, by the way, I wanted to get your take on this before I forget. Okay. Uh, what did you think about Bill Belichick singing Cam Newton praises, man? He's never said that before about anybody, and he's literally over here. Nobody works harder. He's the first one in, last one out. This guy's a, a workout warrior, blah, blah, blah. I mean, none of those things were ever said about anybody, really. Uh, not sure. He showered Jimmy G with all kinds of praise, um, and so I think that he will do it. I think with Cam Newton, it's more strategic. I, I think too. Cam Newton, you need to pump him up because he's such a um, such an emotional, emotional person. Like he, he, he loses, yeah. We're so right like, yeah. so you got to kind of pump pump him up. Like, hey man, you're doing great, and in the media, hey, he's doing great, so that he doesn't show up at the press conference all mopey and whatever, you know, and that he does go out there and play well. And I think that if he's feeling good about himself, I mean, obviously we've seen he's an MVP quarterback. He can go out there and. He's six six. He can run over linebackers. He can throw the ball sixty yards. You know, uh, the only question really, I haven't seen any of the practice footage, uh, which is usually out there. But I know that his injury was a shul- throwing shoulder injury, right? right? So I don't know how big his arm actually is. I mean, he may be accurate from fifteen yards out, but by all, I mean, his career is he's a deep ball thrower. So I don't know if that's going to be affected. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, Ivan, from all accounts, he's a hundred percent, and he and he looks great. But we'll see. Uh, you know, obviously that's that's come game time, and obviously one hit on that shoulder changes everything. Now, do you think it becomes bulletin board material for a guy like Tom Brady? I don't think so. I, I mean, I know that I think if it were the other way around, Belichick turns everything into bulletin board material. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's doing subway commercials now, so if he saw somebody doing a D'Angelo's commercial, he'd be like, "Hey, look at this! Look what they think about us." But yeah. I, that's I think. Do you think that maybe that rubbed off on Tom Brady at all? No, like he's gonna I, use I, I don't think Brady gives a shit. I really don't. I think yeah. that it doesn't matter. Nothing matters to him except for he's got very good tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And it's like, this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to win with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So when Belichick says, like, oh, we don't pay attention to the outside stuff, that's where I think, no, Tom doesn't pay attention to the outside stuff because he's there I, to do his job. Yeah. Bill hears everything. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. And Bruce Arians is the kind of guy that he's a he's – a, go with the flow kind of guy too. So that makes a lot of sense that they don't. I was just wondering your take on it from, you know, you've got the inside scoop on those guys. You, you know, you've been in that, you know, area for, you know, however long. So I don't know, you know, how they actually react when there's things like that. So I just wanted to get your take. Yeah. I, Bill's never struck me as the kind of person to intentionally slight anybody um, because as much as Bill uses everything for bulletin board material, he tries to give as little bulletin board material as any coach out there. Um, so I, I don't think that he would be taking shots at Brady, you know, kind of on the DL. I think he's trying to pump up his quarterback who needs it, you know, to perform well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, 
Triple Shot Sports says, wrong. Trubisky is the reason they have a crappy offensive team. That's you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of half agree. I, I don't really love their talent at wide receiver, obviously, outside of uh, Allen Robinson. I know Anthony Miller's getting a ton of praise out of that camp. Um, but, yeah, and then their offensive line is just kind of a bunch of misfit guys. We've talked about the Bears ad nauseum. You know, I like James Daniels a lot. I like Cody Whitehair a lot. Um, they need to play better, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're a very average offensive team at best. I think Brandon can agree with that. Um, obviously, he's going to think they're a little better because he's a homer. But RTF Sports Network says, like the Ravens when Lamar Jackson first started, expect a lot of designated runs and read options for Cam Newton and the Patriots offense. Well, I don't see them doing a whole lot of read options because I don't think they want him taking hits because he has taken so much of a beating. I think that RTF Sports, you're wrong here on this one. Uh, Josh McDaniels, as we talked about last episode, is the best offensive mind in the NFL, and he knows how to utilize every single player to their max potential. And running the RPO offense with Cam Newton is not utilizing him to his max potential. Is it, though? No, I don't think it is. I think one is MVP though is when they were running that RPO at a high clip. And he was 26 years old, 27 I, years I old. I agree. I'm just saying, but that is technically his best skill set. I agree. That's maybe not the best way to use him now. Right. I'm just saying, in the past, that has been his greatest skill set. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm just saying, like you know, if somebody, I, I don't know, like I said Josh McDaniels just knows how to use people, and I think great. that what you're going to see from Cam Newton this year and that Patriots offense is, I think that you're going to see Cam Newton play probably better than he's ever played in terms of decision-making because he's learning in every single one of those film sessions who's going to be open, what the read process is. They're slowing it down for him. They're showing it to him. From what Bill's saying, I mean, if Bill really loves the guy and he says he's in and out and he's studying, I mean, I don't see any reason that, you know, Cam Newton could go out there. I would be surprised if Cam Newton has more than 400 yards rushing this year. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. About that. I'm pretty sure he had around that clip. You know, that's been like kind of his usual now, too. Um, I, so I'd, I'd probably agree with that. Um, Whereas Lamar Jackson had 1,200 last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, which, I mean, if he, uh, to be fair, I've said this, you know, a lot now. If, if Lamar Jackson's forced to rush for 1,200 yards, he's going to be out of the league in three years. <laughs> um, so, but I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's an incredible talent. He can do it great, but unless he learns how to pass the ball consistently, he's not going to be a quarterback for a long time. Uh, you can't take 200 hits a season and succeed. You just can't. There's a there's a viable model that says you can't succeed while doing that. Uh, but back to Cam Newton. Um, I agree with everything you say about Josh McDaniels. The guy's a genius. He develops plays and offensive schemes to fit what his players do well and not what he wants to do personally. You know what I mean? Like if he has an air raid offense – well, he can change that up real quick and run an RPO if that's what fits best. And I think that's what's made him so successful as a coach. Now, I think they're going to struggle to find what Cam Newton does best because if he can't RPO, I don't think he's a great short, you know, quick passer, you know, accurate kind of guy. I, I mean, yes, he can do it. I don't think that's his strengths. You know, and like you said, I think his strength is, you know, kind of getting the ball out deep. And so will they have to change their offense? I, I don't know. Yes, I believe Josh McDaniels will put Cam Newton in the best spot. I just don't know exactly what offense that's going to be at this point. You know, I'm not in those meeting rooms. I don't know what Cam Newton can do. Well, and I think it all depends on a guy we talked about last episode, Damian Harris, and it depends on Sony Michelle, because I think what the Patriots really want to do is pound the ball and 
let Cam Newton succeed off of play action. But yes. last year, I think the Patriots averaged like 3.6 yards per carry or something. I mean, they just didn't do a good job. So you're not fooling anybody with the play action. And traditionally, when Tom Brady was there, their run plays have been the screen pass. That was yeah. their run play. I don't think that Cam Newton plays that style. I mean, it's great for Brady, who can't throw the ball very far. But it, it'll be interesting to see if they use a lot of running backs out of the backfield and what happens with James Wright, James White's role. Um, here, I love when they use him as like a slot receiver and they move him to the outside and you just don't know how to cover him. Like you put a linebacker on him because he still runs a 4-3, 4-4, four, 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 you know? So. Yeah. I mean, you put a linebacker on him, it's a mismatch. Uh, I agree. I think they want to get if, – if all three running backs are healthy and able to play, I think they want to have all three of them get at least 10 touches. I mean at least 10 touches. And I think they'd like to see whoever the main staple is get 20, you know, carries and then the other two still get 10 touches. Uh, and, and I agree with you completely. I mean, Jesse, you know, said it from the jump. Uh, this is going to be a run-based offense, and I actually agree completely. I think it's going to be a run-first, pound your pound your butt offense, and they're going to try to utilize play action, crossing you know, crossing the fields, you know, play action either way, send a guy deep also on the opposite side, kind of thing like that. A real kind of Madden play, if if I'm being honest, you know, you bunch one side, have the tight end come across this way, have one guy come across this way, and then one guy run a go. And I mean, it's a really good play action play. It leaves five in or six in the block. I mean, it's a really good play. Uh, and I think Josh McDaniels is going to utilize a lot of those very well. Yeah. Well, I, I think expect the- a big season out of Nikhil Harry, if I'm being honest. I wasn't. I obviously have been against that train for a long time. I don't think he's going to go what you think he's going to go for, for 1,200 and 1,400 yards or whatever. But I, I truly expect around 1,000, and I wouldn't be shocked if he had a 10-touchdown season now. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, he's got all the physical makeup of He's a 6'4", 225-pound wide receiver. I think his issue last year, two things. One was he wasn't creating separation uh, against defensive backs, and so that was hurting. But two was the Tom Brady favoritism didn't work his way. I think, you know, Brady gets into his mind. I'm going to throw – that's why Edelman got, you know, 20 targets a game because it's just he knows who he wants to throw to. And Harry never quite got on Tom's good side. Uh, So I think there were a lot of times I would watch games where Nikhil Harry did get separation or he would be open and Tom wasn't even looking at him. And I think that that's going to definitely not be the case with uh, Cam Newton, who I think is probably looking at him first, not Edelman. I agree, honest. I know him and Edelman apparently have a good relationship, and and that's all great and all. But I do think Nikhil Harry fits the type of receiver that Cam Newton likes to throw the ball to. He likes those big body guys who win contested catches. I mean, that's been his kind of favorite target so far. So I, I think they're they're in for a good if everything works out. Obviously, you know, if Cam Newton comes out and has a terrible season, Nikhil Harry's going to have a bad season as well. Um, but yeah, I, I I kind of expect Nikhil Harry to have a solid year. Now, Brandon wanted you to talk a little bit of hockey since you're the hockey guy, and he had uh, Sully, Jake Allen traded to the Canadians. Would you think Price is on the move, or are they just going to go with an extremely strong one-two punch in the net? Um, I'd have to look deep into their their salary cap and things like that if they can even afford to keep the two and things. I'm a fan of having two goalies. Um, I just am. I think you should. I think, you know, when the Lightning had um, – Vasilevsky and oh my god how can I not remember this gentleman's name and it's they're going to kill me for it um, he was just traded but I can't remember his name unfortunately uh, and we had the two of them you know you feel a lot better um, however 
I think it's more of a Jake Allen's going to take the role and carry prices out as on his way out. Um, I, I think Jake Allen's a younger player. Um, not, I think he is a younger player. Uh, he's more athletic, extremely more athletic. Obviously, Carey Price is a stud, and he's a, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's all of these things. But he's also on the decline of his career, and, and I just think Jake Allen's coming in to take over, truly. Which I think is a really good get. I, I mean, I really do. I'm not. I don't even know who Jake Allen is. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't assume you would know who many <laughs> goalies are, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, I, I would assume Jake Allen's gonna take over there and and if Carey Price isn't on the way out he's on his way to the bench and if he's on his way to the bench he's more than likely gonna be on his way out because I'm sure he's not gonna a guy that wants to ride the bench um kind of bring it back to football ish uh you and I talked about this uh via Facebook earlier but uh Kirk Cousins comes out says if I die I die (laughs) you know playing football now when I initially read it, obviously I didn't see the full interview, uh, and I started commenting on it before I read the full interview. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> the way it read to me initially, just on its own, away from context, right, was like football's more important than living. Like if I'm going to die, and it, there have been people who say like, I want to die on the field, and that's yeah. nuts to me as well, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's, so that blew my mind. I was like, how can he think that his health is less important than a, a game? Because it is. It's just a game. I mean, it doesn't matter. You've got a family. You've got kids. Like, you, why would you say that? And then obviously going back and reading the full interview, it was more they were asking him about wearing a mask out in public because he's very anti-mask, you know. And um, he was like, listen, if I get it, I get it, and I'll fight it, and that's the way it is. If I get sick, I get sick. And, I mean, even if I die, I mean, if I die, I die. I guess there's really nothing I can do about it. But I don't want to live my entire life kind of, you know, just being afraid of all this stuff. And when it was put into context – I was like, all right, it's not as dumb as I thought it was because it seemed really dumb at first. I still disagree with it. You know, I still disagree because I'm a, I'm a big mask guy and I don't even like to leave my house. I, I've become Howie Mandel. Um, and, uh, but just the idea too, because the thing that bothered me is like, he's like, well, if I get it, I get it, whatever. I'm not wearing a mask. And I understand like he's an athlete. He's a young guy. He doesn't have any pre-existing conditions, you know, so COVID's probably not much of a threat to him. But that doesn't mean it's not a threat to somebody that he might come into contact with. And that's my whole thing with wearing the mask. Like, I'm not wearing a mask to protect me. I'm wearing the mask to protect the person who's going to come into contact with the person that I came into contact with because it is a very contagious thing. And I may not show any symptoms. My wife may not show any symptoms, but we may have it. But my 80-year-old in-laws across the street, they're highly at risk, you know. And so I always think that the mask isn't for you, Kirk Cousins. It's for the people that you're around. And and that's where you'd be right. And I mean, it's it's impossible to argue against that. I'm 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 leaning. I lean to the side of Kirk Cousins. I'm not a very big mask guy. I don't like them. Um, I understand them, and I get that's why you wear them. You know what I mean? By the way, your in-laws live across the street. Uh, my father-in-law, mother-in-law, grandfather-in-law, grandmother-in-law <laughs> live across the street. Yeah, there's two houses across the street. They live next to each other. I'm sorry for you, brother. Uh, but uh, no, I'm just joking. My in-laws are great. Uh, they really are. They're fantastic people. I'm not just being sarcastic. Um, but anyway, uh, I agree that that's why you wear the mask. And it, it makes total sense to me. And that is why I do wear a mask. If it was purely up to choice, I wouldn't wear one. Uh, but I get that there's bigger things at play than me. It is a very contagious thing. And, and you know, six degrees of separation could get somebody killed. You know what I mean? Not just Kevin Bacon here. So I, I get it. Um, I agree with everything he said. If I die, I die. I'm not going to change my life 
or what I do on a daily basis because of a disease that is more than likely not going to affect me one bit. Now that doesn't mean I don't care how it affects other people and I will, you know, abide by rules and restrictions. But with him specifically regarding to this, I completely understand what he's saying. I think we've joked around about the Ivan Drago thing before. Like if I die, I die. You know, I, I don't know if it was me or you or, or some other buddies, but I've joked around with that before and and I get it. You know, it's fuck. It's the flu. <laughs> Uh, not, not really. But, it's uh, not. I know. Like, I know. I'm not trying to downplay it in any way whatsoever. I'm really not. I get, especially pre-existing conditions, they become deadly at that point when they were very livable conditions without COVID. And so I completely understand it. You know, I, I, I've mentioned before, you know, on Facebook All Sports, um, another gentleman, uh, LR, uh, mentioned, like, you know, this topic. And I said, well, you know, he's like, well, all these, he's, how can you think this when there's 170 or 180,000 people that have died? Well, the CDC has come out now and said, well, really it was only 9,000 that died from COVID. The others had pre-existing conditions. And for me, I say that, but it really doesn't change the fact that how deadly COVID is because just because they were pre-existing, they were still alive with those pre-existing conditions. COVID still kind of killed them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, so it's still deadly. So I get it. Well, and it's like I'd seen the example that somebody had said uh, that, you know, if you're a hemophiliac, you know, and you get what's attacked by – what's that? I don't, hemoph- I, I don't know. Hemophiliac. hemophiliac somebody who, who bleeds out a lot. With the oh, okay. okay. Uh, so if you're a hemophiliac and you get attacked by a grizzly bear, right, and you bleed to death, you had a preexisting condition that led to your death, but the bear is what killed you. You know, same thing with COVID. Like, yes, if you have diabetes or something, that's yeah. a pre-existing condition or asthma, right? And then you get COVID and you die from it. It isn't the asthma that killed you, but I see a lot of people trying to point to those pre-existing conditions like, well, exactly. you know. And, and, and exactly. And I mean, I, and that's kind of the point. They are very livable and survivable pre-existing conditions. And until you get COVID, then it's deadly. You know, so I get that. And so, yes, COVID is the cause of these deaths. Um you know, again, it just comes down to a personal choice. And then beyond that, just be respectful to the people around you. You know, if somebody around you says, hey, man, can you put on a mask? Why freak out and call him a dickhead and fight him? Which I'm not saying anybody's Kirk Cousins or anybody's doing. I'm just saying that seems to be the reaction for people. And it's like, dude, just put on a mask for five minutes. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it blows my mind. Now we've got triple shot sports. My in-laws moved in across the street from me. Two years later, I was getting a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Um, that sucks. I mean, what? So, before to not get off the sports topic, what is it with in-laws? Why? Why do people think in-laws are traditionally bad or a pain in the ass? I feel like mine are fantastic, and they always have been. No, I like mine as well. I call, I think, I call it in-laws. I've never been married. They're, you know, my girlfriend's parents. Yeah, no, my in-laws are super cool, um, and they're really closer. They're like my parents in, in the sense that, well, you know, my mom passed uh, whatever five or six years ago. My dad lives down in South Carolina. He calls me on my birthday once a year, you know. So really, my wife's parents are like my parents, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so they're super cool, and obviously, uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just that animosity, typically between I think it's mother-in-laws mostly that you get that from with females because nobody's ever good enough for their son, right? Yes. So this girl's coming in, taking them away from, you know, whatever. And now they're yeah. not the favorite anymore. So I, I see that. And then I also see, you know, with um, father-in-laws, I mean, listen, I'm a very protective guy of my daughter, you know, 
And obviously any guy that comes around, I already know what he's thinking, you know, so I'm not going to like him, you know, but I think once you get married, it's kind of like, all right, well, this isn't the same as like some guy coming around. I also would think, you know, for the most part, now I don't have a daughter. I'm speaking completely out of, you know, my ass here, I guess, but I would assume that after a certain point, you can kind of tell if he's a good guy or if he isn't. And the ones who still don't like their part, their daughter, significant others because the guy's a piece of shit and and i'm guessing that's most likely the case it's like if you're a good guy you take care of their daughter there's no reason they're not going to like you but i i don't know i just i've always you know we talk about stigmas you know in other in sports and things i've always seen this mother-in-law and father-in-law stigma and i've just never really experienced it my my mom had bad experiences with both of her in-laws um my dad's parents and then my stepdad's parents um common denominator is totally true like my mom was very strong personality uh i dare say a bitch at times (laughs) and so she could rub people the wrong way yeah she could and so i understand why her in-laws didn't like her (laughs) you know and then it was just a mutual feeling you know because there was just no love between people yeah uh, man but what are you gonna do um, let's see what else I got here. The other thing I have, this is right up your alley as well. If it's not hockey, it's got to be soccer, which is I, I was reading that Messi's potential deal with Manchester City is 125 euros per year or 150 million dollars per year. That's nuts. I mean, that's like the highest paid player right now is Ronaldo, who gets 105, which is equivalent to or 89 million euros. So basically, they're they give him like a 50% raise over Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, this is what happens when you have stupid Prince oil money. Oh, no, they're Russians. That's right. When you got stupid Russian oil money like Man City does. Um, there's all kinds of workings in that deal. There's also a, a written-in clause of the deal, too, where he has to go play for um, their MLS franchise. Um, the, the Man City has a partnership with an MLS franchise. And so he'll have to go play for them um, in like the last year of the three-year deal. Um, it sounds like a lot of money, Wayne. The 150 million or whatever—they'll make that in the first two months he's there. Right. Uh, the 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 amount of jersey sales—I mean, Messi is just—I mean, he's Babe Ruth. He's he's Michael Jordan. He's—I mean, he's the biggest thing on the planet outside of America. Anywhere you go, you know, it's Lionel Messi is the icon and, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo is the icon. So I, I don't think it's it's that big of a shock. The money is just massive, especially because most of these guys truly make their money on sponsorship deals. And this the their yearly pay is not really what they've hanged their hat on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's just stupid money. And at this point in his career, like play wise, he's not worth it, I don't think. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll, I'm excited to have him in, in the EPL. Funny, I'm wearing my Manchester United colors today, too. Um, so glory, glory, Man United. Uh, so hopefully we can keep the city red and he doesn't put the hurt on us. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, Raheem Sterling. I like him a lot. Um, and so I think that that pairing. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't like him as a person. But <laughs> uh, no, he's just played for two teams I despise. So um, it's not really him in general. Uh, but no, I, I think he's a great talent too. I like Raheem. I'm, I'm, uh, one of the funnier things is, uh, so you probably have no clue, but so number 10 is like the number for soccer. You know what I mean? It's like, it's the best player. It's just traditionally worn, you know, like, I mean, Ronaldo's a nine, that's a striker. It's your best strikers usually getting nine, you know, things like that. Um, the numbers are very important in soccer. Kunaguero, who's the Man City legend, Where's 10 and where's it proudly? And I mean, that's his number. I don't know if he's giving it up when Messi walks in the door. And I don't know if you can't. I mean, Messi's, like I said, he's God. But Kunaguero's God, too, in, in Man City. So uh, Sergio Aguero for those. I'm sorry, I call him Kun. It's just kind of his thing. Um, Sergio Aguero, I mean, he's a God in Man City. It'd be like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to liken these. It'd be like somebody coming into the Patriots. It'd be like Joe Montana, if he would play at the same time as Tom Brady, joining the uh, the Patriots and being like, "Hey, I get number twelve now," <laughs> you know, from Tom, or so like because they're both legends at that point. But it's like, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. So that's going to be exciting if he actually joins him. Actually, I don't know if I'd mentioned it on a previous podcast. I'm, I have Alzheimer's because I'm old, so if I did, I apologize. But uh, I'm doing my fantasy draft tonight, and the guy who runs the draft is uh, a, a big Patriots fan, and I had messaged him when Josh Gordon signed with the Patriots. I was like, man, I was like, Josh Gordon's going to the Patriots. And uh, I was like, he's not going to wear number 12, obviously. And he goes, why? Who wears number 12 for the Patriots? <laughs> 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 I mean, I'll tell you what. You say the number 12, the first name I think of is Tom Brady. I think John Stockton. Yeah? See, I, yeah. I don't at all. Well, first I'm a basketball name, guy, too. Yeah, you're best, but the first name immediately, boom, Tom Brady. I don't even – I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't name another 12. I mean, I could, but you know what I mean. Now, I was thinking, actually, here's a funny thing. We were talking earlier about Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. You just kind of brought it up. Yeah. And – one of my favorite games of all time, by the way, to play with people. Uh, of course it is, you're the only one good at it. Well, I told people, I said, it's, for me, it's the three degrees. I do everybody in three. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, we should do something like that on the show. It doesn't have to be Kevin Bacon, but it can be, you know, six degrees or something. I was also thinking. Um, oh, like, you could do three degrees of Shaquille O'Neal, easy. Or oh, yeah, he's played on a ton of teams. He's yeah. played on, I think, like eight or nine teams. And then I saw this game on uh, television. It was on the show Cougar Town. Me and my wife watched that. Yeah. That's and, uh, uh, what's it? Courtney Love, right? Cor- no, no uh, Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox. Ah, so quick sidebar: her in that Elvis movie is gosh, she's so sexy. An Elvis movie? Which one? Uh, Three Thousand Miles to Graceland. Oh, with um, uh, what's his name? Kevin uh, Costner and uh. Oh, I'm thinking of a different one. I'm thinking. No, I'm thinking of something different because I, I was thinking of the one with the Jonathan Skeech where he um, meets the old guy who I. Th- think is harvey keitel and he, it's supposed to be elvis harvey keitel is elvis but the one robbery one right yeah, yeah. okay but i mean quick she just looks so good in that movie it's, i always remember anyway back to cougar town i'm sorry so yeah so they had this game i thought was great which where you name or you describe two movies and the titles go together like in wheel of fortune they have before and after you know what i mean so oh, okay like once upon a time to go to work or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you mean. So like that, but it, it was they were doing this game, and so I, I was trying to think of some. I did one with my wife. I'll throw it out at you, uh, just because we have a few minutes to kill here. Uh, it is 
Edward Norton is a white supremacist. Patrick Stewart has a school of mutants. American History X Men. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite movie of all time. By the way, American History X. But uh, easy, I, I could I could live that. It's such a good movie. What's your favorite part of the movie? Um, that's a good question. Um, there's a couple. So I think the part where Daniel gets shot at the end, not to give the movie away to anybody. If you haven't seen it by now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just, I didn't expect it. It broke my heart. I, it was so emotional that it's, it's a, it's a moment that stays with me for a long time. Um, and then honestly, the part after he curb stomps the guy and he and he's getting arrested and he comes up and then he goes down in slow motion and then like smiles and winks um, to his brother. Um, that that scene I just think is so iconic. That scene too, I, I, and maybe because of the iconicness of it, I love that scene and that's the reason I got my tattoo, which I had. Um, on your chest? No, that's funny because <laughs> I actually. When we did this whole thing at work, we had to do this thing where we wrote down two things that aren't true about us and one thing that is true. And so you try to, so you, know, you try to put two things that sound like they could be true, you know. Yeah. So I had uh, most argumentative in school. Um, once got into a fight at a uh, protest, and then the last one is has a tattoo inspired by the movie American History X. Oh, and man. so uh, when they somebody, I said that's the one. That's the one that's right. Everyone's like, dude, what do you have for a tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> And I just have barbed wire on my, my left arm, yeah? Yeah. But I, I didn't know what I wanted to get. When I was 18, I turned 18. I th- started thinking about what I wanted to get for a tattoo. And then when I turned 20, I saw American History X. And that scene where he's coming down, and he's so jacked. Jacked. Huge. And, and I was like, yeah. oh, man, that looks great on him. I better look good on me. I was not <laughs> as jacked as him. But <laughs> <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. That scene – and just – I mean, so – just to describe it, I mean, you know it, but his face, the way it changes completely after, like once the cop actually grabs him and he realizes like what's happening. I, I just, I mean, every part of that movie was just so incredible. My brother is an older brother and he got into trouble and I looked up to him and idolized him the same way that, you know, Daniel idolizes his brother. My name's Daniel, obviously. I don't know. There were, I mean, my brother was not a white supremacist. Let me get that out of the way. Uh, but like, you know, he just got into trouble and, and, you know, his, since now done great and amazing things he's a you know double doctorate engineer and, and just done amazing things and so it's like you know I, I related to that movie so much and then I don't know it was so emotional it's such a great movie very good movie I, I remember seeing it for the first time and thinking like I have to buy this movie now like it's so amazing and then I made my parents watch it I'm like you guys have to watch <laughs> this movie and only when I was watching it the second time did I realize like this isn't like a family get together kind no, of movie. Not. <laughs> like, uh, like I should I watch it with the cousin. Yeah. <laughs> like I enjoyed it as a movie fan, you know. Yeah. But it's one of those ones where we talk about all the time. Like, would would I recommend this movie to somebody? It's a phenomenal movie, but it's not for everybody. And so, like, no. I don't know if I could recommend it to every. You know, like, oh, you'd like this for sure. No, most um, definitely, you can't just shout that one on the on a standard. Nick Pinkwin, uh, Manchester United, are shite. I mean, he says shite right, so I'll give him that. But I, I, I can't respect it, man. Glory, glory, man United. The first couple episodes that we went live, I had my banner up in the back too. That uh, shout out to my boy Fat Matt went over and got me straight from Old Trafford. So I mean, I love him, man. I just love him. Ronaldo's the greatest that ever is or will be. So, wow. 
And I think I've made it clear. My favorite is Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Il Phenomeno. Yeah. Um, to me, he's the best I've ever seen. Um, just the speed and the strength and the ball handling. I mean, Messi can handle the ball, but Messi's also five foot eight. You know, yeah. I mean, oh, that's not like, I mean, you're giving him credit. Messi's, I think, five six. Yeah, but whereas Ronaldo was like six one, six two. He was a monster, and it's he could handle the ball. I'm you, Cristiano is the modern day other Ronaldo. Um, I just think he just does other things better also. But they were both dominant in the air. They both had incredible ball control. They both were strong on the ball. I mean, I, I agree completely. So we are at 59 minutes, and I'm going to uh, – obviously, I got as soon as I get off this, I have to jump onto my fantasy football draft. I've already got in my mind who I want. I know that my guys aren't watching this, so I'm not going to tip them off. But I'm thinking based on my list that I, I put together today, I'm hoping at nine – to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, and then I'm hoping at the term, when it comes back around in the second round, I'm hoping to get Josh Jacobs. So hey, that's, that's, hey if, if I could pick a perfect first two rounds, that would be it for me. Yeah, uh, Another guy I like in that same area, if you can't get him, Miles Sanders, I think, is due for a big season. Um, you know, if he can stay healthy, obviously. And then uh, um, balls. Oh, Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon's going to have a huge year with Joe Burrow, bro. I like Joe Mixon. Let me ask you this question because my train of thought was this. Let's say I get those two guys, Alaire and Josh uh, Jacobs. Round three comes around because now there's about 20 picks in between because I, I get that swing and then there's a little bit of a wait. In this, like in most fantasy footballs, you've got two running backs. Then you've got a flex player who can be a tight end wide receiver running back. If he's available, what do you think about James Conner as a third? I mean, if he's available, you got to take him because he's he's – going to get a bulk of the touches, but I don't love James Conner at all. Um, well, yeah, I was thinking just because I figure Pittsburgh is going to really ground and pound this year. Yeah, I mean, he's an elite flex play. I don't think he should. Is it a 10-team league or a 12-team? 12. Yeah, he shouldn't be there in the third. If he is, you take him. Yeah. But, I mean, like I, I, I wouldn't take him in the second. I wouldn't take him over one of the receivers in the second. You know what I mean? I would pass – and then get a running back later instead of him having being my number two running back. But as a flex play, he's an elite flex player. That's what I was thinking. Like if he's available yeah. as a flex player, at this point too, there's probably if he's available, there's been a run on wide receivers. So do yeah. I go for the receiver? But I think running back's gonna get me more points overall every week. So Well it's not just that your running back's so thin that eventually somebody's gonna need one and you can if you want, you can flip them for an elite end receiver. Um, but for the most part, running backs are so thin, I stockpile running backs. Uh, Triple Shot Sports, I got Connor in the ninth yesterday in a 12th team round. I, I don't know how that happens. That shouldn't be possible. I mean, people forget who he is. They took him off of yeah, that thing. That shouldn't be possible. I just did, like I said, I just did three last week, and James Connor's a second round pick. I mean, just because he's going to get a ton of touches. Well, see, so I, I follow in preparation for the draft. I do, I, I follow about 10 different mock drafts CBS, ESPN, whatever. I, I go through them all. And James Conner is consistently in pick 27 to 40. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm thinking he could be available in the third he round. Very well could. He very well could. Again, it's it's mostly like, again, it's positional scarcity. So when it comes back around, if there's a run on running backs, like let's say, like let me just bring it up real quick because I can't remember for the life of me. But like because our run in the second round went – um. So it went, you know, uh, Sanders, Mixon, Chubb, Jacobs all go second round. But then when it comes back around, uh, 
Chris Carson, James Conner, and David Johnson all go right there in that third round because the other guys who didn't take, who took the prime receivers in the second round, now want their second running back. Uh, you know, but I mean, he, he very well could be there, and I would swoop all over him. You know, if not, you know, then you're, I mean, hopefully a guy like Juju Smith is there, something like that. Triple Shot says, and Daniel Jones was taken before Drew Brees in his draft. That I don't hate. Um, I'm in a two quarterback league and I took Daniel Jones pretty late. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got two other great quarterbacks, so I'm not worried. Uh, I got Russell Wilson and Josh Allen. Okay. Fourth. That makes sense. Fourth makes sense. Um, I got Josh Allen and Russell Wilson and I got Daniel Jones pretty late. And I think he's in, I think he's, I think he's in for a 30 touchdown season for sure. At least 32. All right. Well, we are a little over an hour. You have managed to stay with us. Uh, we had pretty good viewership again this episode, even though we didn't have the interview. I do apologize to everyone who tuned in for the interview. It's two weeks in a row. I'm going to give Achille a little One bit of crap. Two episodes. What's that? One, you but, said two weeks. One uh, week, two episodes. Yeah, two episodes. So I'm going to give him a little bit of crap for not coming on. Um, obviously, if, even if he says he's going to come on, I'm like, let's give it a little bit of a break because – uh, I've got other people I've reached out to as well. And we're going to try to do Monday as a regular show, which we will be fully prepared for. Uh, it'll be a full show. And then possibly Wednesday we'll look at an interview. Uh, I am still trying to get Ronnie Fields. Uh, I would love to have Achilles Smith if he can make it. I know he's West Coast time, so maybe that's kind of the hang-up. It's only like 4 o'clock for him. Oh, um, that's true. I didn't ever think of that. He knows that. I mean, why not say I can't do it? It's just as time doesn't work for me, you know? Um, so we'll check in with him. And then uh, there's actually a guy I'll tell you off the air that I, I reached out to that if we awesome. get this guy, if we get this guy, all bets off. I'm just saying. All right. So thank you for joining us, everybody. I will throw it to Kenny Smith as soon as I click on his picture over here. Kenny, what time is it? It's over. <laughs>